Where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. Oh my goodness, taking you into the future of now. We're talking about Industry 4.0 today. This is episode number five of a seven-week groundbreaking crystal ball prediction series. Been doing this for years, and I decided to dedicate each week, each episode to a different set of topics. This is in honor of our series on Industry 4.0. We've got the sponsor from 2020 here with us, SAP's radio show, and Richard Howells is with us. So let me start off, as I always do, with the buzz quote. And by the way, we're live streaming on Facebook on the Technology Revolution Future of Now page, and we're also recording the Zoom, so we'll have video separately, and we're also live on broadcasting on Voice America Business Channel. So let's see what I've got here in my notes here. Okay, we have quote number one, and this is from CP3O. Everybody remember Star Wars? Of course you do. You all grew up in that era, or maybe you were already grown up in that era and you went with your kids. Episode two, Attack of the Clones. It's a 2002 space opera film. And the quote CP3 says, oh, I'm going to try to do a little impersonation here. Oh my goodness, shut me down. Machines, making machines. How Perverse. Okay, we'll leave that one alone. Thank you, George Lucas. Wonderful show. And buzz number two is Agent Smith in The Matrix. The Matrix, everybody knows. I think it just celebrated its 20th anniversary. 1999 American science fiction action film written, directed by the Wachowskis and produced by Joe Silver with Keanu Reeves and all kinds of people. And here's the quote. Never send a machine to do a I'm sorry, never send a human to do a machine's job. That's the whole point. So if you're hoping to get a gaze into the crystal ball to see what 2021 holds for your company, your industry, and the world, Lord knows we'd like to have that. We've got the next best thing. Over these seven weeks, I'm bringing you more than 60, that's six zero thought leaders who are sharing their predictions about the future. Today, Of we're talking about Industry 4.0. We're talking automation, robotics. We're talking factory of the future and disruptive technologies. So pour yourself a cup of Joe, a cup of Earl. If you got any Dom left over, if you got any bubbles, you can pour that too for a technology revolution. The future of now 2021 crystal ball predictions part five live. And let's all work together to make this a much better year than 2021. I rest my case. First up, Richard Howells, as I mentioned, Richard is the vice president of solution management for digital supply chain at SAP. Let me just give my, let's see, we're missing one guest, but I think we've got a full house anyway. Joining us also today is Tom Madonna, SAP industry executive advisor for automotive. Somebody's doing a lot of breathing there. I want you to breathe, but just not quite so loud. Bob Parker is with us, senior VP of industry software and services research at IDC. You can all wave when I call your name. Tom Raftery, a podcaster extraordinaire in his own right, global VP and innovation evangelist at SAP who rocks a hat. You got a different hat on, Tom, today. Uh, Martin Stanzig is with us, Chief Technology Officer for Rising with AZ. Dave Elmer is with us. Dave Wave, Senior Director, IT and Enterprise Applications for Katera. Mike Lackey is with us, Global VP of Solution Management for Digital Manufacturing at SAP. Christian Leidecke is with us, the Head of 
Strategic Alliance for KUKA, K-U-K-A-A-G. Hendrik Newman is with us. New title. It's a long one. Everybody put your seatbelt on. Head of Manufacturing Execution Systems within the Merge Business Unit Advanced Dynamic Solution at Continental. Thank you for the title, Hendrik. And rounding out the panel, Tobias Huffmeyer. Meister is with us. Partner and the President and CEO of MHP Americas, a Porsche company. I'm so thrilled to have all of you. We are ready. Let's see if we can do this all in about three and a half minutes apiece. Richard Howells, welcome, and thank you for sponsoring such a great series last year. I'm putting you on speaker view. We're ready. Richard, predictions, go. Okay. Thanks for inviting me, Bonnie, and welcome to everybody. Happy New Year. So I'm going first, so I thought I'd keep it at a relatively high level. Um, 2020 brought supply chains to the forefront, and I predict that 2021 will be the year of the supply chain. The COVID-19 pandemic taught us that businesses need to be more resilient. They're going to be less risk tolerant. And uh, we did learn that nobody can do it alone and we need a network of partners. Um, I also think that um, the 2020s has been dubbed as a decade of action regarding sustainability. And sustainability took a backseat in 2020, rightly so, to the pandemic. But I see that being a major focus of 2021. And Industry 4.0 and technologies and technologies, sorry, are great enablers for all of these. As we look to ramp up production and distribution um, and also comply to social distancing guidelines, we'll see more robotics and automation to augment the workforce and leverage IoT sensors to help ensure social distancing. Um, I think we'll see more augmented reality and predictive analytics to make the employees more productive and informed. And as I mentioned earlier, we'll see a focus on resiliency, risk mitigation, and sustainability. And this requires improved visibility. And I see that means that um, we'll see more, well, emergence of the cloud is already there, but the cloud technology, leveraging the IoT technologies and also blockchain for ensuring the integrity of the data will be critical capabilities. So at a high level, that's my predictions for 2020. Thank you very much, Richard. I haven't heard people talk about blockchain very much recently on almost any of my shows. I'm wondering, is it is it so enmeshed in the fabric of digitalization that people just take it for granted? Or is it something that's on the back burner because other things are more forefront? Richard, just quickly, what's your I observation? I think blockchain is a less mature technology than some of the others, which means that it's been a, a lot of the time proof of concepts where people are looking for use cases to solve the problem. To, to leverage blockchain, and I really think that uh, we we are moving from uh, proof of concepts to uh, a, a proof a, a proof of value. What's the value of blockchain, and what are the business cases that we can really uh, productize and 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 use in multiple industries and across multiple uh, businesses? Thank you. And just a little bit of nostalgia. When I started the show a couple of years ago, my first show was called, the, the first topic was, what's on the menu for lunch today? A blockchain and tuna fish sandwich. And we had the CIO of Bumblebee Tuna on the show. And we talked about blockchain and the provenance of seafood. Where does and that it is come the biggest from? use case, Bonnie, is, uh, is, yeah. is traceability across uh, different ownerships of, uh, of, uh, of yeah. goods. Thank you very much. Let's move on. Tom Madonna, you're up. Tom, I'm going to put you on speaker view. And Tom has been a guest on so many shows with me in 2020. Sometimes I thought he was going to say, hey, I want to be your sidekick, but he didn't do that. So Tom has been on, we have a show called uh, Automotive Insiders with OESA. It's not an SAP show. He's been on the Future of Mobility and Manufacturing, an SAP Game Changer show. And I'm happy to have you here. Tom Madonna, predictions, go. 
Morning, Bonnie. Thanks for the panel guests as well as your listeners. I think um, I'm going to take a, a little bit deeper dive on some of the things that Richard pointed out and then basically go in a little bit of a different direction. I think one of the things that uh, he talked about was the resiliency of the supply chain. Just a recent study that came out from McKinsey just showed that over 60 to 65% of OEMs and tier ones do not have a business continuity plan for their supply chain, which means that if any impacts occur, you start to see what their ripple effects are going to be. You've seen this just this week. Honda just announced they're gonna close the plant down in the UK until the 22nd. You start to see how those things are physically going through and the effects of what's going on in particular plants. We have one of my colleagues who bought a, a brand new sports car. Took him an additional eight weeks to get it because of the supply chain and the execution of the parts that go with it. I personally had a vehicle where I basically just traded it in because the part wasn't gonna be available for the future. So I was supposed to have it done and completed in September. And it took, uh, uh, I think my appointment is now scheduled for the middle part of March. So I said, okay, fine, just sell the car. So I think that's gonna be you know, one impact. Obviously supply chain and, and the use of supply chain requires data. So technology and technology transformation is gonna go is the data and the sharing of the data across uh, the different layers of the supply chain. I think the direction you start to see that started in 2020, started in 2019, is going to continue is the manufacturing of one. You know, so you start to look about how those things are occurring and what the customer wants in regards to a customer experience. You know, just this week, there was a, a new feature put out by Mercedes-Benz where they actually allow for the user, based upon the new skin and technology of the paint on the vehicle, for the individual to come out every morning, every hour, and change the color of the vehicle. So if you today determine you're, you're, you're blue and you want a blue car, you go out, you push the button on the, on the mm -hmm. cell phone and it turns the car blue. Tomorrow, it may be rosy, you want red, you go push the button and it becomes red. Now, long and short, that's gonna impact the ecosystem. I mean, the license plate didn't change, the VIN didn't change, but the color of the car did. So interesting technology in regards to what the customer wants. Secondarily, I also saw a little cartoon this week that was interesting and it was an engineer talking to an executive. The executive said, hey, I told you I wanted a big, bigger in-screen uh, capability within the car, but I didn't ask for a drive-in theater in the car. And so <laughs> what's going to happen, there's going to be some technology you can use and some technology you can't. On a previous show, I talked a little bit about uh, the, the execution within the industry. I think that the ICE vehicle structure itself will go down this year somewhere between 20, uh, 15 and 20%. I think that the EV structure, which right now with last year was five, I think that's going to go to 10. I think the AV portion is going to go five to, to 15 really going to be dependent upon how many organizations, cities, et cetera, want to go and do it. But in general, I think that's occurring. And my last prediction is, I don't think we get back to 17.2 million until roughly mid-22. But I do see a low 16 million number coming out. And I think that has been impactful. You know, we've seen from the big three, we've seen from the predictions, we've seen some of the keynote speakers in CES this week, all predicting that and then basically moving. And lastly, the OEM is not going to be an OEM anymore. If you looked at and heard what Mary said yesterday, she's actually has production coming in from a pallet mover all the way up to class eight vehicles. So these organizations, these, these platforms, the OEMs are no longer just going to produce cars. They're going to produce other things. So the question becomes what, how, and where, but data will be the king. And how soon? I loved your comment about changing the color of the car. That's fascinating because if you think about it, at least in the U.S., I believe our driver's licenses still say hair color and eye color. They used to. And if you think about it, 
on your registration, it would say the color of the car and it could say, and and contact lenses, right? You can change your, well, I'm always going to be red, but you can change the color of your eyes. So if somebody pulls you over, they say, wait a minute, you're not the person with the blue eyes. You've got green eyes. Well, I have different contact lenses. Wait a minute. This was supposed to be a white car. It's a blue car today. Fascinating, Tom. We got to do a show on that in 2021. Very, very interesting. Thank you, Tom Madonna. Bob Parker at IDC is up next. Bob, welcome. Happy New Year. And go ahead. You're up. Thanks, Bonnie. Um, As as you know, IDC uh, does a lot of predictions work. Um, We did over 50 reports, each with 10 predictions. So my point being, I had an embarrassment of riches to choose from and trying to pick one for this show. And What I decided to do was take a prediction that we've been tracking year over year, which is the impact of digital on the uh, overall global economy. So our formal prediction is that the economy remains on its digital destiny, reaching 65% of global GDP being digitalized by 2022. And the reason I chose this is this was actually accelerated by COVID more so than um, diminished. So we're actually picking up the pace. And it actually represents about $6.8 trillion of investment in technology between 2020 and 2023, so over four years. So how does that relate to Industry 4.0? Well, we think about the uh, future enterprise uh, being able to compete in that new economy and it embodies the principles of Industry 4.0. First, there's a pillar around customers and consumers. And we've certainly learned through the pandemic that we've had to rethink how we serve our customers. And in fact, I think from an Industry 4.0 perspective, uh, factory operations and just business operations in general have to be calibrated to the customer need like Tom was just talking about more so than an emphasis on productivity and efficiency. Another pillar would be operations. And and if the phrase of the year was you're on mute, (laughs) the word of the year was resiliency. And Mm -hmm. I'm happy to say we were talking about resiliency before the pandemic, not that we anticipated it, we were thinking about it a little bit differently, but it certainly has come to the forefront and accelerated investment in that area. Third pillar is the future of work. Uh, And we've certainly learned a lot through Mm -hmm. COVID about different work models. And as it relates to Industry 4.0, we're seeing a lot of our clients thinking about maybe not the factory worker, um, specifically the person on the line, but the maintenance people and the supervisors, people setting up remote control centers where they uh, manage several factories from a remote location. And probably the most important pillar is intelligence, which we define as an organization's ability to synthesize information and to increase their capacity to learn. And in fact, in this digital economy, just like economies of scale defined asymmetric competitive advantage in industrial markets in the industrial economy, um, economies of intelligence will define uh, competitive advantage in the digital economy. And intelligence will drive a big portion of that $6.8 trillion of investment going forward. Very interesting. Bob, you mentioned about remotely controlling multiple factories. Are we talking about a heavily robotic workforce in that case? Could be. There's a mix of that. I think the initial pre-COVID impetus for it was 
um, the graying of the manufacturing workforce, especially in mature markets. Mm -hmm. For example, we have a client that's a a subscriber that's a paper company. And if you know paper machines, they're very custom. So the maintenance people are very specialized. They felt like they could take two-thirds of their workforce out of the factory if they had enough IoT and enough connectivity and enough intelligence they could put them in almost like a mission. Think about Houston mission control mm-hmm. where these experts could uh, apply their knowledge to several plants as opposed to just one at a time. Very, very interesting. You know, the fear of automation has been for years that people won't have jobs. Therefore they won't have that structure. They won't have that income. They won't have that raison d'etre. Why do I get up in the morning? What am I going to do? We've all learned about where are you going to go? Well, with COVID people are home with families. They didn't really spend that much time with, and now they did, which has changed everything. We have to do a show on the future of families this year. I know. And relationships. Thank you, Bob Parker. Tom Raftery is up next. Tom, Oh, you changed your hat. You did. <laughs> I always made a deal with Tom Raftery, who's been on so many shows with me over the years. I said, Tom, you got to wear a hat when you come on my shows. And this was even before we did shows on Zoom, right? We were on yep. the phone. I insisted that he wear a hat. So here he is, the hat man who has so many podcasts, he doesn't even know what day of the week it is. I'm teasing you, Tom. Go ahead, Tom. You're <laughs> up. Let's hear your predictions, please. I'm nothing, Bonnie, if I'm not agile. I can, at the drop of a hat, change my image. It's very straightforward. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, it, so Richard and, and Bob have already talked a little bit about supply chain, which is an area I work in. And I have a podcast, as you mentioned, where I put out podcast Mondays and Fridays on, 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 on supply chain. So I'll, I'll take a different tack and I'll talk a little bit about a couple of my other passions, which are the energy space and the automotive, to Tom's point uh, as well. Tom had on a minute ago. Uh, in the energy space, we're going to see a even larger shift towards decarbonized energy. Uh, the Energy Information Administration in the US uh, published a report in the last couple of days where they talked about new Uh, electricity forms of generation that are being rolled out in 2021, they expect 70% of that to be from renewables. And if you break that down, it's 39% from wind, 31% from from solar, sorry, I got that the wrong way around, sorry, 39% from solar, 31% from wind, and another 11% is going to come from batteries. So it's only, I think, 11% is going to be coming from fossil fuels, from gas, and nothing else. So we're seeing, as I say, massive decarbonization of the forms of electricity generation, which is phenomenal. We're seeing huge battery plants being rolled out as well, which are fantastic because uh, when you look at the renewable forms of generation, they tend to be variable generators and electricity grids like stable flows of electricity. So if you have large battery banks there, that can help stabilize the the energy grids. So that's that's phenomenal. And of course, there's a huge crossover now between the interests I talked about between energy and transportation because the transportation system, to Tom's earlier point, is starting to be uh, run on electricity. Uh, ICE engines are going out and we're moving towards electric vehicles. Uh, Tom mentioned 5% electric vehicles. That's a US number. Um, we see here in Europe, it's 10% this year. In fact, in Norway, in December, it was 19%. Uh, for the year of 2020, it was 54% just from 
fully electric vehicles, not plug-in hybrids, fully electric vehicles. Norway is a bit of an exception, but for Europe as a whole, sales of EVs hit 10% this year and are expected to go to 15% in 2021. And in fact, Morgan Stanley issued a global report saying that the number of EVs sold in 2021 will increase by 50% uh, over 2020. So the sales are going up. And if you look, it's not just personal transportation. If you look at things like um, two-wheelers, scooters, motorbikes, they're currently at 30% globally. Uh, if you look at other forms of transportation, we're, start, we're starting to see trucks rolling out as well in, in EVs. And that's going to flip the 40-ton, 18-wheel uh, truck market is going to go fully electric as well. I, I published a podcast on my Climate 21 podcast this morning with a Dutch researcher who leads a team of 35 PhDs who look specifically into this and they talk about the 40 uh, ton 18 wheel truck market and that is going to flip in the next three to five years to electric just based on economics solely so it's it's a fascinating space uh, tom also talked about avs autonomous vehicles and that's that's coming on in leaps and bounds as well mobile eye announced at ces that they're going to start rolling out testing of their autonomous vehicles in several cities globally paris shanghai uh, i think tokyo was another one and they're already testing in detroit and a couple of other cities so they're starting to do that in the first quarter of 2021. So autonomous vehicles are coming faster than people expect. So it's all changed. I think the last thing I would say about transportation is we're going to see a huge shift in the, the business model there. It's going to go to a vehicle as a service, particularly for personal transportation, because cars are becoming technological objects. They're becoming the same as laptops. They're becoming the same as phones. They go out of date a lot faster. My, my last car was a Prius. I had it for 10 years. It was very little different between the, the, the previous Prius and, and that Prius. Now, the current cars are orders of magnitude ahead. So a car you buy today will be out of date in five years' time. My current car is a, a Nissan Leaf, fully electric car. I bought it in 2018. It had a range of 250 kilometers. The Leaf on the market today has a range of 400 kilometers. The next version, the Araya, which is coming next year, will have a range of 500 kilometers. So when you start to see those kind of advances, why would you buy a car and keep it for 10 years or even five years when the, the resale value will crash? What will happen is the car manufacturers will start doing long-term rentals of the vehicles where the long-term rentals would be, you know, somewhere from four months to four years. Then they will take it back, swap out some of the parts and send it back out again. So the, the, the whole thing is changing enormously. Wow. And to think that I'm still driving my little sports car and enjoying every minute of it. Siri, <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to get with the program. Interesting. So when you say that, that people will rent them out over a period, change the parts over a period. So this will become, in, in a way, a uh, shall we say, a consumer fleet management, Tom? Yeah, where- correct. The, the OEMs will, but the OEMs are wanting to move to this mon- model anyway. The, the product is a service model because it's much more advantageous for them. They get, uh, they get uh, income from the vehicles over over the lifetime of the vehicle, uh, which is something which is starting to go away at the moment. So it's a much better model for them. Uh, also, when you look at electric vehicles, the, the lifetime of the batteries in an electric vehicle currently is around five to 600,000 kilometers, uh, which is longer than the body of the vehicle. Uh, but the coming batteries, the, the battery that Tesla launched in September has a lifetime of 3.6 million kilometers, which is 10 times longer than the life of the body. So why? Why would you sell that and take, you know, it, it makes a lot more sense to just do a swap of the top, you know, 
take take back the battery, swap out some of the parts, put in, you know, Bluetooth 6 instead of Bluetooth 5, uh, put in, you know, maybe do a paintwork, maybe swap the tires and send it back out as a ne nearly new vehicle. And, you know, that way you're producing a, a nearly new vehicle at 95% fewer parts used. It's a huge sustainability win. I like it. It sounds very much like the circular economy where things exactly. get repurposed. There you go. And that's that's something we need to talk about more in 2021. I'm, I'm not going to go for autonomous. I'm not going to go for EV. I'm not concerned about the battery. I'm just going to do what Tom Madonna said. I'm going to click the, the app on my phone and change the color. You were the one who said <laughs> that, right? I'm going to change the color of the car. I right now have a, a 370Z and it's got a red rag top and red leather seats and it's pearl white sparkly paint and I might change that to blue. I missed my old bluesy. Anyway, that's enough about me. Martin Stanzig, welcome. Happy New Year. You're up next. Go ahead. We're ready for you, Martin. Thanks, Bonnie, and thanks for having me. Um, yeah, we at Rising seeing the digital supply chain very much in the context of asset management and, and maintenance. So the predictions we have uh, are sort of seen in that context, and, and there are really three that, that I want to focus on. The first one is machine learning and, and sort of it's going mainstream, I would say, you know, away are, you know, away are the fears of, oh, machine learning or artificial intelligence is taking over the world. And we're coming back to reality and saying, okay, how does it, how can we really apply that? So predictive maintenance is coming out of the closet. I mean, we've had it for years, but I think the, the adoption what we will see over the next year will be, will be dramatic just because. Um, people sort of now know what it does and it's more transparent rather than that, that magic black box that nobody could understand what it's doing. Um, so machine learning is, is sort of that key ingredient that we're seeing in everything. I think what, what people still need to understand is that machine learning usually comes with a probability at the end and we're very much used to zero and one results. You know? So you, you don't, with, with machine learning, in most cases, you don't have a, yeah, we're clear cut true or clear cut false. It's always like, yeah, we're sort of 98% sure that that is the right answer. And that's just something that um, we have to acknowledge and we just have to live with uh, in the future. So that's one. The second one is the, the digital twin concept. And I'm not talking necessarily about the end all be all where you can predict and, and sort of model your, your production lines. But what we're seeing is that procurement organizations will start to ask vendors not to just buy the physical product as an equipment or machinery, but the physical product and the digital twin. And then we're getting to the point is how do we transfer that digital twin from the supplier all the way through the supply chain, through OEMs um, up until into the factory so we can actually use it. Um, that is one of the prerequisites to number three that I have, which is augmented reality. So with, with you know, um, tools and, and also devices becoming much, much more powerful, having the capability of having LiDAR, the vision, but also machine learning models all combined, we can now do what we sort of mocked up three or four years ago, mm -hmm. which is putting, putting the visual, the three-dimensional visual of a pump, an engine, a motor, a, um, uh, a production line onto the production line itself and then helping technicians do that. And that goes in line with what Bob said. Now, what that results and will result into this year is that we have less people actually on the shop floor but more people that, that have mm -hmm. sort of the remote visibility through mm -hmm. glasses or through devices that we can see. So we can see, validate what the technician is doing in order to fix the pump, but it will also give us an audit trail. So if something breaks in the future, we can always go back to that recording that we now have of it to say, hey, we didn't do anything wrong. It was something that happened afterwards or 
you know, we need to revise our standard operating procedures because, you know, that technician needs to do, needs to be retrained, et cetera, et cetera. So those are the three that we are seeing. Um, so again, nothing really dramatically new. It's just sort of a confluence of everything that we've seen for the past three years becoming reality and becoming, becoming actually being adopted in the, in the industry. And very, very interesting. Thank you for that, Martin. I'm, uh, I'm intrigued about these technologies. We really haven't talked about them that much in 2020. We were so immersed in COVID and the change in the workforce, right, and the interruptions to the supply chain. And I remember from my mobility manufacturing show that the end, uh, from the OESA show, I think Tom Madonna dropped off, but he's been on that show. Uh, we talked about 45 days that U.S. manufacturing of automotive stopped. 47 days stopped to a complete halt. And we weren't talking about, I'm going to call these the sexy technologies, virtual reality, augmented reality. So it's going to help with managing factory of the, is the factory of the future here already, Martin? Or is it still something far off? I, I think we're sort of, you know, months away. I mean, we can do everything. It's more as to how can we, how do we drive the adoption? How do we do the change management? It's not that the technology isn't available anymore. It's, I think, where I always start the discussion is, does management even understand what's possible today? And it, it's, it's sort of, it's just the, the industry and the technology has moved so rapidly that especially CEOs, CEOs, the, the people that are running the business um, don't even have time to stop long enough to absorb and understand what's all possible to then sort of update it. So I think the danger is that you have you know, cross entries of companies that say, forget, forget what we have done yesterday. We're just taking, you know, $10 million, starting with a completely new business model, um, using all the current technologies that are available and then, you know, entering the market from a completely different uh, vector. Thank you very much. Very interesting. I'm, I just want to say I'm appreciative of all of you referencing back and forth to each other's predictions. That shows me you're all here in the moment, in, in the room, paying attention, and I appreciate it. I also appreciate all the work you've all done to put together such articulate and interesting predictions. With that said, Dave Elmer at Katera, you're up next. Dave, go ahead. Welcome. Yeah, Happy New Year. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Um, I think uh, the, the predictions that we made are pretty relevant, but I think what we didn't see is is uh, a lot of like companies having to look through a different lens in their supply chain. I think that was a, um, I think a lot of uh, outside vendors change the supply chain because we typically look at our supply chain as just our vantage point and how we can produce things. Mm-hmm. I think COVID, I think a lot of things started to affect other industries, which we never seen that dramatic of, of effects. And I think that's going to set the stage for a lot of these technologies and adoptions. I think a lot of people said and was was trying to POC them, but I think we actually see them. We're actually starting to put them into play more than we ever were before. I think we kind of shifted more down to a real time um, and starting to use some IoT more um, just because we had to not look so predictively at 40 days worth of inventory to push this out. We were starting to look at like, what could we produce in a day? Mm-hmm. And it did impact a great deal. So the technologies were there. We've kind of POC'd them, but I think we actually started to bring some of them to real life now, right? And they're actually in operation. Um, I think in the construction industry, we've seen a huge dramatic turn in just lumber prices, you know, and, and, and just the supply of lumber right? Because it shut down and then it raised up. So it, it completely changed the whole premise of how we were operating. So I see us more moving toward a real-time solutioning again, 
um, and put our focus back on that and that lens again. And I think that's where we're going to go. Um, and I think all of those technologies kind of lend their self, especially IoT. Thank you very much. Brief and to the point. Uh, Dave, I appreciate that very much. Do you think business will get back to quote unquote normal? People say the next normal, the new normal. I didn't coin the phrase, I don't think, but I started calling it mid 2020. I started calling it the new reality, which is anything in the moment, right? It's the reality. This is what it is. So do you think we're going to get back to a new reality in manufacturing, Dave, where, as you say, the confluence of technologies will get production back to a level where we feel like we're really doing stuff? I th- yeah, I think so. I, I think it's just going to be hard because we don't know what's going to affect us, right? Like I, I think for these years, we've kind of laid it all out and we kind of never seen our um, our demand change so dramatically, right? Mm-hmm. Stress the system. So we've learned from it. So we actually should know and have laid out a blueprint for a better transformation, I would say, in the future, I would say for sure. Thank you very much, Dave Elmer. Mike Lackey, how are you? Mike, you're up next. You're great. Thank you, guys. Well, first, I'll just start out that the future of now becomes syndicated, moves to serious radio, and Body D. Graham defeats Howard Stern in the rating wars. So that's my big prediction for the year. Uh, well, I love you. Uh, <laughs> listen, I love all this discussion, and, and, and I think everybody is correct. There's a lot going, look, I, supply chains are going to remain front and center. Uh, you know, we're seeing the move from the global to a migrated, and I think you're going to see even a bigger move to the regional. However, I do believe 2021 becomes the year of digital transformation in manufacturing. Look, it, it wasn't that we couldn't get our, our, our machines to run. We couldn't get people in the plants. What shut down the plants was the supply chains, so the most of not having materials. So most of you know, 2020 was spent on planning. What is my demand signal going to look like? What is, you know, what is my product mix going to look like? And logistics became a big part. And I think as we start coming out of 2020 and seeing what the future can be post-pandemic, companies have a pretty good idea. So now they have to start looking at building more agility into their business processes. And that means they're going to start focusing on manufacturing. So I really like where manufacturing is going to be in 2021. And I cannot talk about manufacturing without talking about additive manufacturing. You know, 3D printing, it is still, um, I think we still have cost issues before we get on the hockey stick and start becoming mainstream. But I do see movement in that area. And I see more and more people start developing additive manufacturing into their processes. Um, And that's going to be a big part. I believe artificial intelligence and machine learning are going to play a critical role in 2021. They're going to, it's going to fill the gap between the employees and the physical machinery. Uh, you know, it's going to, artificial intelligence is going to free up workers from repetitive processes, and, you know, and give you the ability to automatically resign workers or resources or AGVs, machines, you know, to different stations. And I really think that this is going to be, when we go through this digital transformation, that it is going to lead that, that movement to modular manufacturing from, you know, uh, from linear manufacturing. And it's a big part of that. And it's a big driver, you know, behind industry 4.0. And so, uh, you know, with these agility in our business processes, you know, intelligence, uh, more data, collecting the more data, manufacturing with better data, it's just going to change the way we do manufacturing. And I think you're going to see a big move to modular and away from linear. And I, and another enabler of this, and I'm going to go on a limb on this, I think 5G is finally going to start delivering on its promise. 
I think you're going to see tangible 5G use cases will emerge and manufacturing is going to lead the way. You know, when you take from warehouse automation to automation on the plant floor with AGVs, picking, you know, having data as products are out in the field, how they perform, you know, 5G is, can, can drive a lot of that. I think the hyperscalers still stay there, uh, you know, is a big leader for innovation. But I believe 5G, we're going to start seeing the promise that it's always, uh, it always had and it's going to come to fruition here. And I, and I agree with one thing Richard said. Look, sustainability is going to come become a new priority for Industry 4.0, not just the carbon footprint, you know, energy consumption, but I believe, you know, companies are going to have to really look at sustainable components that they're designing into their products and they're manufacturing into their products as well. Uh, I think that's where the future is going to go for 2021. Thank you very, very much. And uh, I don't know if I want to outpace Howard Stern in popularity, but if you could find somebody else, I'd be glad to take over their slot. Thank you very much. And hey, we Mike. have to go for number one in the slot, right, Bonnie? <laughs> well, well, we'll we'll find a slot for me. I was intrigued by your tours. I'm going to move on in a second, but agility and somebody else said resilience, and I think those are going to be the words, perhaps the buzzwords that transcend industries and everything we're talking about for 2021. You have to be agile, nimble, ready to go in the moment find your planning, find your technologies, and Resilient, just keep on going and keep on going. Thank you very much. Christian Leidecke at KUKA is with us. Christian, welcome. Yeah. Predictions, go ahead. Thank you, Bonnie. I mean, w- what am I b- about to say? All, all the great predictions have already <laughs> been mentioned. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pick up uh, the, the, the quote you started with from C3PO. Uh, I mean, being with uh, the world's leading uh, or te- technology leader in, in industrial robotics, of course, I have to mention that. Um, I mean, robots are already building robots. Uh, it, it's a reality. And um, it's, it's, it's not like in science fiction movies, of course, or so, um, but robots are the most flexible point of automation. And uh, this is going to increase. It's, it's going to increase. And uh, you also said in your second quote, um, uh, robots, no, no, no people shouldn't do machine jobs. Uh, yes, this is true. And we will see robots uh, and people working closer together in, in human-robot collaboration. I mean, this is going to be a reality. And being realistic, um, we also have to mention uh, we are talking about great things, but um, the first month of 2021 is already half over. Um, <laughs> but, y- y- you know, to, to be realistic, I mean, um, COVID-19 taught us some lessons. Uh, it forced us all into our home offices. And guess what? It works. I mean, we are still productive. We are still living. Everything is running maybe economical impacts are a little bit left outside, but it's working. Uh, yes, we got some homework to do uh, concerning infrastructure and things like this, but um, it provoked an immense push for the awareness for the importance of, of uh, digitalization. And mm-hmm. that's one of the major things that we're going to see. I mean, many companies always said, yes, we need to digitalize. We need to get ahead in this game and, and things like this. Uh, do I invest money? And no, better not. Let's start with some, some simple things. And this is <laughs> going to be a change this year. We're going to see this year that uh, companies are investing in uh, digitalization. Maybe it's just the way uh, they're doing their 
I don't know, uh, any kind of business processes or something like this, um, I would hope, because I'm a production guy, uh, that is, of course, like, like Mike said, it's, it's going to be in the production environment. Um, but for that, uh, we will also see a second uh, change. Uh, companies, uh, manufacturers of equipment, they will start working closer together uh, on, on working on standardization for machine protocols and so on to enable machine-to-machine -machine communication, which is the enabler for this entire digitalization set. So uh, we are seeing a lot in, in, in this way. And um, I mean, this will all lead to uh, not a new world, but a changed world uh, that will enable to actually Im improve our efficiency. And by that, we will be uh, enabled to, to overcome uh, some economical misfits uh, that we took in, in 2020. Thank you very much, Christian. I appreciate you going back to my two quotes. Thank you very much for acknowledging. I thought you did. I thought those were really cool quotes, and thank you for using them. Uh, interesting, you talked about digitalization. When, when COVID took form, when it, it gripped the world and brought everything to a halt in one way or another, we were talking on many of my Game Changers radio shows about the fact that companies that had already dipped their toe in the water, put their money on the line and started the process or been all the way deep into digitalization were the ones who did have the resilience. They did have the agility. They did have the ability to say, we need to pivot. We need to change our business model, our production model. We need to change everything. And they had the tools to do that. The companies that stood on the sidelines and didn't quite get there are now needing to catch up, but they've seen the reality for it. they've seen the reason for it so thank you for bringing that up we have two more panelists can't wait hendrick newman you're with us the man with the very new very long title hendrick welcome predictions go ahead thank you i think i can connect very good to that one um, i think the pandemic showed that the digitization of the shop floor of the manufacturing area is an absolute must and uh, giving some samples, the first thing is um, with our uh, digitized processes, we are able to access the production data from home. So, and you can take decision on, on live data, which is only possible when you digitize the process in the factory. And uh, the quality of the decisions are the same than you would be in the plant. And I think that's an important point. The second is mm -hmm. um, the digitized process, which we implemented, made it more failure proof. So even with less supervision in the plants, uh, our operators are supported by those processes. And for example, we use the software poker jockey uh, to, to uh, avoid mistakes. And uh, the third one is um, the digitization of the processes helps us to, to make a sustainable, um, I think that was, wasn't in the show today, so sustainable um, mm -hmm. uh, process improvements. And th these are long-term and these are urgently needed to improve the manufacturing areas. So um, I think the pandemic showed us that this digitization of the manufacturing area is urgently needed and, and, and we are happy that we started a couple of years ago. Um, from the technical um, perspective, I would like to connect to what I think it was Tom, no, it was Martin and Mike said. Uh, for me, the, the, the most uh, impressive thing is the machine learning. And uh, we partnered up, we teamed up with SAP and we made a, we made a trial. And for me, it was uh, very inspiring to see that the machine learning model uh, was learning by every decision. And it got, it got improved by their own. And uh, it was very impressive to see that. And it gives uh, completely new uh, possibilities 
for example, uh, you can train new operators and you have a an, an machine learning model which, which supports a new operator and tells, yes, your decision was okay. No, your decision was not okay. And um, this is uh, something I think, uh, yeah, very, very important and uh, break, a breakthrough, yeah. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. And you sent me your new title and... Did it's not as long. I think you. Uh, I think we, uh, you read it longer than it is. I'm just the head of uh, manufacturing execution systems. That's I wanted to know. Let me ask a question to the panel. Tobias, I'm getting to you in a second because I know you're waiting, waiting, and we have plenty of time for your predictions. Do people still use business cards? Does anybody have physical cards printed anymore? Yes. Tobias no. does. Anybody? Christian? Yes. Bob, you do at IDC? Yeah. Oh, Mike Lackey is holding up an example. Interesting. I, I, I haven't used one in so many years, I forgot. But, but because, at the moment, no venue to hand them out. That's the problem. There you, <laughs> exactly right. So you can use them, I don't know, push pins and put little notes and, and doodle on them or whatever you want. I was just wondering. Thank you very much. Long I, title. I have them, Bonnie, but they're turning yellow. <laughs> well you can make a collage out of them i use candy wrappers in my collages use them for something i, see, I, use, what tom, I use what tom used i was in china for five years and all i always held up is a qr code a qr code that's what anybody everybody uses now. Yep. I know that before COVID, I was going to the movies a couple times a month and I was able to do my, my reservations online, pick the seats, have everything done. And I'd come and I'd hold up the QR code and that would be my ticket already prepaid. And then when you went to get food at the overpriced food concession, you had to show that you were the A-list member and you had to show the QR code to show that you were entitled to go on the short line to get your overdone French fries and your cheated chicken fingers or whatever it was. Anyway, I digress. Tobias, Tobias, I apologize if I mispronounced your name. Can't wait for your predictions at the Porsche company. MHP, we are ready for you. Go ahead. Fantastic. Thank you, Bonnie. Thanks for having me again. Delighted. Really appreciate it. And I think, well, looking at all my the, the previous speakers, um, we've had the manufacturers, we had, uh, well, the technology companies, and it's, it's, of course, difficult then to add anything new, but what, MHP is a consulting company, so I think what we're good at is at summarizing some of also what has been said, and um, I got three predictions for, for 2021 and beyond. Um, one is around customer experience. I think that's that's going to be key. Second, supply chain resiliency, and we've heard this from several people. And three, production flow digitization automation. Automation. We at MHP have already seen that integrated ecosystems, and we talked about this several times today, have gained significant traction over the past years and across almost all industries, really. Um, but we are nowhere near the end. Uh, we're just really starting with a lot of those topics and strategic investments. And integrated ecosystems can leverage potential and also generate future business. And I think everybody agrees on that. Um, but the experiences and insights that companies gained in 2020 have now also shown how necessary, how important, how even uh, vi vital these investments are. And ultimately, they also will predict who will end up on top and who won't. So I predict that we will see large-scale investments in customer experience as companies will continue to rethink how to engage digitally and also to how to drive customer loyalty and attention um, with, with very authentic and purpose-driven experiences from ordering, and that's important, from the ordering to the production and all the way to the final product delivery and even beyond and after sales. So every, all of that needs to be connected. And the key here will be to ensure a positive, very seamless customer journey um, at the lowest possible cost, and then that requires successful integration of PLM systems, the CRM systems, and ultimately the ERP, the backbone. 
And your, your story about your experience at the movie theater definitely also summarizes this because everything counts. So when you don't get your popcorn right, well, the overall experience falls apart and the, the movie could have been the best movie, but still you go home and say, well, it wasn't the best night I've, I've had. So customer experience, one. Second, um, I, I predict the building supply chain resiliency, and we've talked about this several times today, will be prioritized in 2021, especially after the lessons that we've all learned through the pandemic. Companies will localize and deglobalize and invest in more supply flexibility. So switching suppliers when necessary to continue to meet growing customer demand. So a definite shift from the status quo for sure. Uh, the increasing local sourcing of core products and, and materials has become a higher priority during the pandemic. And yes, we've seen the tendency here in a few companies and global players prior to Corona. I think Henrik pointed that out, but I, I think we will all even see more investment in supply chain resiliency and security in the years to come. So that's the second most important piece I see for 2021. And the third one, my last prediction, is the investment in production flow digitization and automation, machines. So enterprises and companies will focus on industry 4.0 initiatives, think cloud and IoT, digital twins, we've heard about those, and AI. Uh, but 2020 has forced companies to become more innovative and use AI and IoT, to just name two, um, for a more holistic and integrated approach to business and technology. So added cost pressure due to the pandemic will also push these innovations forward and operations excellence, excellence initiatives, ERP updates, important ERP updates, mm -hmm. long overdue updates, and quality programs become even more important now. So digitizing processes and production are essential to meet tomorrow's demands and especially to remain competitive in the end-to-end customer journey and to ensure customer satisfaction. There's one last piece, and, and I think we haven't really touched upon this today. I think the pandemic clearly shows us how adaptable companies can be. Everybody pivoted very early, and, and I think a lot of companies feared for a worse year than they actually had because they were able to respond fast, but it also shows us which companies invested in digitization of processes in production over the past years, and it also shows us which didn't. So companies must become more flexible and agile, and for changes in the investment to really bear fruit long-term, no matter if, if they're part of my three predictions or not, um, companies must act faster. The decision-making must be accelerated and systems must be fully integrated. So the increased flexibility and agility must not only be seen in the supply chain that we touched upon, but the production floor um, or the interaction with customers, uh, all those topics, but the decision-making in itself needs to be life and transparent. So uh, I think the pandemic has given full view of how data and modeling can be used by countries and governments to uh, make more informed decisions like this and how this will also be no different for enterprises as we go forward. So I think companies will accelerate initiatives to enable decision, uh, decision making in real time. And what we see at MHP is that the tech industry has already done so, of course, but it will become mainstream. So companies must understand and use data, have a clear data strategy, steadfast predictive analytics for scenario modeling and, um, and, and all that ties together into, again, my three predictions on customer experience, supply chain resiliency, and then production floor digitization and automation. And yeah, I honestly look forward to a much more positive 2021, hopefully. And I'm sure it's gonna be the year and also the decade of technology.
Thank you very much. I have two comments, one on customer experience. Companies that tried to pivot didn't always get it right in terms of customer service, in mm-hmm. terms of interface where there was some confusion or what are we really going to do to handle what should be a routine transaction when yes. you could get to point of sale or point, point person to person. I experienced this with a major computer manufacturer turning in a phone. Mass confusion misled me, told me something was in the mail. The next person said they never mailed it to you. Why not? The store said I can't take it. The person on the phone said we can. Miscommunication. It was, it was, I had to go back and wait and, and hand it in and it was explained to me why, but there was so much miscommunication, but they apologized and they said, we're still trying to figure this out. We've never done it this way before. And I understood and I appreciated the admission. So customer service, customer experience, I think is going through a, how really do we need to do it? And how do we communicate the best way to do it? Another thing is, am I saying Tobias or Tobias? Please correct me. I go by both. Okay. Tobias will be the German pronunciation. Then to- yeah. Tobias, I heard so many luxury car ads on my news station that I run on Alexa over and over. Have you arrived? Not your, not your company. If you have arrived, you haven't arrived, you have to keep arriving. And this car has all these digital features and it's, it's going to be the, you know, when you think you're successful, you've got to have this car. I was amazed in, in an economy where we have people on food lines. That, so what is the, can you share with that with me briefly, the rationale for saying to those of you who still have an income, still have a job, still have money or want to turn in your car, Tom, and not an EV or not an AV and not, not a, uh, uh, whoever said, Tom Madonna, who said, you know, change the color by clicking an app. Is this a forward moving uh, consciousness that we will survive? Do you think that's where it comes from, Tobias? Very well, I, I think so. I think especially in difficult times, and I saw the same in 2008 and even in 2000 or around the 2000 times that people who pivot well, who are successful, even in the difficult times, want to also treat themselves to something nice. So I'm, I'm not sure whether, and I, and, and I have the same color coding of the vehicle that you mentioned for your vehicle, just in yeah. Porsche, but um, I think what, what um, Porsche as a car manufacturer um, or, or the luxury manufacturers in general um, saw last year is that their sales, even though production, of course, there, there were some issues and sales-wise also people weren't um, maybe buying vehicles as much in, in March, April uh, in, the, in the Western world. The, a lot of people went back and wanted to reward them for what was a very difficult year. So I, I, again, luxury products and it goes as far as handbags and, and everything else had a, had a pretty okay year given the situation. And, and that's, that's, I hope that answers your question because yes. at the end of the day, there's, there's certainly industries. I have a friend, he's a real estate broker on an island in Spain. He probably had the worst year of his life. Um, so, it, it, and it's a very wide range of um, how people experience the year. In the manufacturing industry, we talked about the main issues. On the customer end, the customer expectations didn't go down, certainly didn't go down. Mm-hmm. I think we were all a little bit more acceptive about um, accepting about things sometimes also going wrong. But for cars, yes, that's what we what we saw, and I think it'll also 2021 will be a very strong year, um, especially in the in the luxury segment. Thank you very, very much. I thought we'd have time for a qu- We could do this real fast if you all give me one word. I'm going to call your name. What was your favorite drink over the holidays, which was just a few weeks ago? Richard Howells, one drink, fast. Yeah. Okay, Tom Madonna. Whatever was in my hand. <laughs> I love the one you're with. We know that song. Bob Parker. Uh, beach Hippie Beer. Ooh, Tom Raftery. Same as both Tom and Richard. Whatever was in my hand, which was inevitably beer. 
Oh, inevitably rare. I like that with a hat on. Martin Stenzig. Glühwein, unfortunately, not at a German Christmas market. Glühwein. Oh, yes. Dave, Dave Elmer. Take a simple beer. I'm good. Mike Lackey. Bourbon. Oh, we got a hardcore guy here. Christian Leidecke. Great coffee. Oh, nice. Nice. Hendrik Newman. Self-made Glühwein, the hot red wine that we do by own. Very nice. Henry had bourbon in it, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, you can, you can pour whatever you want. And Tobias Hoffmeister. It was tea, unfortunately, but I would have gone for the bourbon if I had, had bourbon in the house. At the there you go. And I'm going to mention something that I don't think anybody mentioned. Eggnog, light eggnog at Harris Teeter, my local grocery store. And I discovered a way to pretend there were no calories. Every time you take a sip, if you live alone, you get to drink out of the carton. So every time you drink, you add a little bit of 1% milk to fill up what you didn't. And then you shake it up and it becomes light, light eggnog. And by the time you're almost done, you can barely taste the eggnog, but you're drinking 1% milk with a little flavoring in it. I want to thank all of you. You have made this a delicious, delightful hour spending with my wonderful people here. Richard Howells, uh, we're rooting for you to come back strong with another 12 episodes of Industry 4.0. Obviously, it's a lively, thriving, relevant, timely topic that people still want to talk about. I want to do a shout out to my engineer extraordinaire. He is my sidekick. Nobody nobody tried to kick him out of that. Aaron Keller, really say thank you to Aaron. We appreciate it. And thank you to Ryan Treasure at Voice America World Talk Radio, who's the voice who introduces me with the now, now, now. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I'm happy to be here and looking forward to another Crystal Ball Predictions round next Wednesday, 11 a.m. Eastern. Everybody check the Future of Now page on Facebook. We just streamed live. So I would just say to you, I hope you all do well. I hope you all stay safe and happy and healthy. And I hope we meet again soon. And by the way, my car is getting two and a half months to the gallon. How's yours doing? Everybody wave goodbye. Don't go away. I'll say goodbye to all of you. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now.